Section 71 of Frontier Humor in Verse, Prose, and Picture. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Frontier Humor in Verse, Prose, and Picture by Palmer Cox. Jim Dudley's Race. Now that I am rid of my wildcat mining stock, my aching teeth, and inverted toenails. Jim Dudley turns up again with his stories and slang. Last night he told me about the fast team he once sported in Indiana, and I wager considerable. He never drove a horse in his life, except it was to the pound that he might get half the fine. But this is the way he spun his yarn. Did the boys tell you about this man I used to drive down at Grab Corners? No? Wow, that's queer. I owned a mighty fast pair while I was stopping thar. You see, I first had a four-year-old hoss and used to go buzzing through the village like a streak of lightning. And when I had just enough whiskey aboard to make me feel a little reckless, I used to turn the corners on the inner two wheels and never make a miss of it. My ambition was to own a span, though. Arter a while, I bought a young mare from Deacon Shovel Ridge. She was the homeliest-looking critter, though, you ever sawed eyes on. Her tail was as hairless as a garter snake. She was a basin-raised colt, and one morning she was standing round where the boys were making soap and while blacking up the blaze to get warm. Her tail caught fire, and every spare of hair was burned off, and never came out again either. It made her look pooty bad, but I see the go was in her, and that was what I was arter. During fly time I used to help her out of her troubles a little by fastening a heavy tassel to the end of her tail. And arter some practice, she would fetch a fly off her ribs or a fore-shoulder, eating most every pop. I got her pretty reasonable. The deacon said he was actively ashamed to go out with her, for the boys were always a-hootin' out of him. Besides, the old codger seemed to have a liking for me, and others took my part when others were running me down. The mare matched the young hoss first-rate. Both had hides like rhinoceroses, which sweat could never get through. It might be billin' hot inside, but they never showed any signs of it outwardly. All their little training they pulled together and spatted it out as even as the wheels of a ferry boat. I used to make a commotion among the villagers when I turned out, for I could pass everything round the corners, and you ought to have seen the fellows a runnin' out to hold their hosses by the head when they seen me comin', and the women a hollerin' and tuckin' up their skirts and scuddin' arter their young'uns as though a Drove a Mexican cattle were a-coming across the bridge. One day an old sport named Abe Drake, sort of spreein' old bachelor, came over thar from Illinois. He afterwards married a broken-winded old concert singer that used to be a-squeakin' around there, and went to live in Hulltown. Wow, as I was saying, he came over there and brought a spankin' fine team along. They were amazing nice-looking critters now, I can tell you. Skin smooth and shiny as seals, and tails on him that actually trailed in the dust behind. He always had plenty of money, and was continually taking the gals around to one place or another. He was generally considered the biggest cat on the woodpile. We never came in contact when we had our teams out until one day at a picnic in Galdy's Wood. That straw-headed Kate Reichert was there. She was a rollicking, don't-care gal of the village, one of those tree-climbing, uh, stride-rided critters, but a mighty good gal for all that, and handsome as a new fiddle. She was well up in the fine arts, but she could realize more 
genuine enjoyment charging through the pasture astride the old mooly cow, and she could by trumming a pianer. Well, there wasn't hardly a gal in the village that Abe Drake hadn't been a spurn around, and he had sort o' commenced a trampin' on his wing like around Kate Reichert about this time. It happened I had sort of weakness that way myself, and I didn't like his maneuverin' any too well now, I can assure you. Couldn't make much out of Kate, though. She liked fast horses and a splurge, but she wasn't one of those gals that would marry an old pair of breeches just because there were greenbacks in the pockets. But, as I was remarking that day, while the picnic was breaking up, we all got talking about a ball that was coming off the following week down to Crow Bend. Abe wanted Kate to go down there with him, but she had partly agreed before that to go along or me. So to get herself out of it, and me in, she said she would go with the one who could take her the fastest. Oh, that's me, said Abe, straightened up kind of proudly, and giving his pantaloons a hitch up at the waistband. I can let you count the panels along the turnpike, a little the quickest of any person round these quarters. And he looked sideways at me to see how I took the assertion. It's not always the hen that does the most extensive advertising that makes the largest deposits, said Tom Ruggles, laughing, as he sat there packing away his dishes. No, Tom, said Gus Parks, the millinery man, who didn't like Abe any too well, because he sort of smashed an engagement between him and the schoolmarm. And it's not always your longest-tailed quadrupeds that get over the ground the faster another. Well, I'll never mind, boys, says I. Just easy, that way. The proof of the whiskey is in the headache arterwards. I reckon I can kill as many grasshoppers between here and grab corners as any person that cracks a whip in these parts. What? With them thick-skinned critters of yourn? said Abe, pointing his fingers at my hosses and laughing as though it was mighty funny. It made me feel pooty riley, but I kept my temper. Supposing they have thick skins, I says, there's something like the cheese that Google-eyed Peter bought from the peddler. Their peculiarity doesn't lie in the thickness of their hide so much as in the mysterious way they have of moving themselves around. Suppose you try a race back to the corner then, says one of the boys. Yes, says Kate Reichard, clapping her hands and jumping up. I'll ride back to the corner with one of you, and let Tilly Evans go with the other, and I'll go to the ball with the one who gets to the village first. Agreed, says Abe. And you'll ride back with me? No, I'm heavier than Tilly, says Kate. Let everything be even. Toss up for partners back to the corner. This seemed fair, so we flipped, and I won Kate. She weighed ten pounds more than Tilly. I didn't care for that, for I knowed if the worst came to the worst. She was none of your jumping out kind. She would stick to the buggy while there was one wheel in the seat left. That's the sort of gal to have along with the feller when he's trying hoss flesh. The whole picnic gathered round us when we were getting our teams ready, and were speculating on the result. Money was going up on all sides. Parson Briarly had no change about him, but he bet his gold bowed spectacles against the old Silverthorn's Meersham pipe, that I would get to the corner first. Beat him, Jim, says Gus Parks, and I'll give Kate the best bonnet in the store, and I'll give her the highest-heeled pair of boots that I've got in my shop, said Tom Ruggles, the boot and shoe dealer. Then Kate is a bonnet and a pair of boots ahead for sartin', says I, 
jumping into the buggy and squaring round my horses for the road. And with that, we started, lickety-split, down the turnpike. Abe a little ahead, but not enough to make difference with five miles of good turnpike ahead of us, without let or hindrance. Pooty soon, Kate leaned over to me, and see she, you must beat him, Jim, for between you and me, I would rather go to the ball with you than with Abe. This made me feel mighty good, and says I, you mustn't get scared then, for I reckon we'll have to take some desperate chances to get there first. Let me alone for that, sees she, when I can't ride as fast as a hoss can run, and I'll stay to hum, and let Dad tote me around in the wheelbarrow. Just then we came up with them. He tried to shake us off, and would spurt ahead, but I'd crawl up on him again, and stick thar, lapping him, and go on with him, stretch for stretch, like a dog when he's a freezin' to a pig's ear. Away went Kate's hat a flutterin' over a buttercup of swale, like a bird of paradise over the Garden of Eden. That's mighty bad, Kate, says I, looking over my shoulder at it, sailin' off. Let it go hatchin', says Kate, laughing. It's only gettin' out of the way of the new bonnet. I thought, t'was a good omen myself, but didn't say anything, for just then, Abe shot a little ahead, and he was gwin off, he hollered. You can't do it, Jim. I can, says I, determinedly. Your horses are jittin' out. They ain't got the bottom into them, he shouted, just that way. You must have dropped out last night, says I, and with that I overhauled him again. Past Brian O'Laughlin's dooryard, we went like a whirlwind through a flour mill. Over a hen and three sucking pigs. The old woman was standing there in the yard with her apron full of chickens, shaking her fist at us and swearing like a drunken gypsy. Her long tongue was a slushing and dashing her answer one front tooth like a mop against a table leg. I could have laughed myself to tears, only I had to keep my eyes clear, for the road was so narrow in some places that when we were abreast there wasn't any ground to spare. We were now passing the halfway spring and the race was fully as undecided as men we broke away from the hootin' crowd on the picnic grounds. Down past old Deacon Shovel Ridge's ten-acre hop-yard, we went rackety-bang, hub-end against the hub-end, and the outer wheels a-spoke in it within six inches of a four-foot ditch. The ride to the corners began to look like the ride to eternity, until he was as pale as a gray nun's ghost, and continually making nervous reaches for the lines. But Kate was equal to the surroundings. There she sat, with one arm around me, and the other grasping the seat rail, and above the clatter of hooves and steel axles, I could hear her repeating, Stick to it, Jim, and start my stitches, if he doesn't get his crop full of dust yet. Old Shovel Ridge was in the field on a load of hay as we were passing. He was inclined to piety, and if the world had no hosses in it, I reckon he'd have been as pious as a church organ. And when he saw us a-rasping down the turnpike as though we were riding in a four-hoss chariot, and saw Kate Riker's great swat of blonde hair streaming out behind like the tail of a comet. He couldn't contain his feelings nohow. He'd gin a rousing whoop like a chill-chat Indian when he sights a fur hunter, throwing away the pitchfork, which accidentally harpooned the old lady in the back who was raking behind, and jumping from the load, he took across the field towards the turnpike, swinging his old straw hat and hollering, Go it, Dudley! Go it! Keep the hoss up with the rat-tailed mare! and I'll bet my farm you'll make grab corner first. This made me feel pretty good, for the mare was the one I had some fears about. But you ought to see how it affected Abe, 
He commenced to slash his hosses and swear like an ox teamster when his cart is stuck hub-deep in the mud. Finally the off-horse broke, and there was a sort of irregular upheaval among them for a while, as though they were stepping out on broken cakes of ice. One would be gwine down while the other was a-coming up. Abe tried to bring them down to their work again, and in the meantime a kind of corkscrewed ahead and swung into the center of the road in advance of him, and I began to feel something like a feller what holds the winning cards, and sees the other chaps a-piling up the coin on their inferior pasteboards. But I see some young half-breeds a-squatting round on the road about a quarter of a mile ahead, and knowed at the rate we were traveling we'd be on top of them before they'd see us if I didn't haul up. So I says to Kate, See them plaguey brats ahead of us are? What bed we better do about it? Man over the centipedes, says she. He made a gwine slack up for him, and she cuddled closer to me so the jolt wouldn't hiss her out. I shouted two or three times, but they were too busy with their mud pies, I reckon, to take any notice, and Abe was making no signs of hauling up. I did my best to sheer round him and kept right on for the corner. I heard him scream as we went a-whirling on, but reckon it was more, though, a fright than injury. Abe had lost his grippings. He couldn't overhaul me again, no how. I gradually crawled away from him, if he did his pootiest. The whole village seemed to be out to the bridge to see what was coming. They see the dust rising when we were more than a mile away, and they allowed the greatest runaway was a coming down the turnpike that had happened since Bull Run, and we were out there speculating as to whose family was in danger. But when they see it was a race and recognize me, you ought to see the scattered amongst them. You think a whole menagerie had broken loose and was coming for em. Old Pelvey, the shoemaker, was a-sitting on the railing of the bridge. But just as I crossed it, the crowd hurrayed and jostled him off. He hung over the railing by one leg, with his body swaying below, and him a-hollering like a good feller, and signaling for help. But the crowd were so taken up with the race, and were cheering and swinging other hats continually, they never knew anything about his position. Pretty soon his leg slipped, and over he went, and over and more than twenty feet into the river, and was carried over the falls before anybody missed him. Hard of that, people weren't troubled so much with corns around Grab Corner, but though he's dead now, I'll say it of him, he was the worst shoemaker that ever shoveled an all into a hide. I drove up to the hotel, and it just got through helping Kate out, and up come Abe, with his hosses hobbling as if they'd picked up a twenty-penny nail in every hoof. They looked somewhat as if they had been swimming in a soap fat. Abe was very much of a man, though, arter all. His hosses, I reckon, had never been passed before. But he didn't bluster or get mad about it, neither, though it must have been pooty trying to him. By the witch of Endor's long eye tooth, he cried, as he jumped from the buggy. You did it, Jim. You did it fair. Only I kinder think you swung in ahead of me a little too quick. Back thar where that crazy old whipperin' hollered so. No, Abe, says I. I didn't take an inch of turnpike till I was entitled to it. Well, says he, as he came round to look at my animals that were standing there seemingly as cool as a brace of toads in a cellar. I'll be shot if them hosses of yourn ain't something like the witter tappin' borders. Speed that they show was getting away with anything was most surprising. So Kate Riker got the bonnet and boots, and I gin her a new dress to go with them, and if we didn't shine out some the next week down to Crow Bend, then there ain't no use talking about it. That's all. End of section 71
Read by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.